0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. On a new beginning today, a story of extraordinary heroism, sacrificial love, and a race against time. Pastor Greg Laurie invites author John Irwin to bring us more on the riveting story of his own grandfather, World War II hero Henry
1: Red Irwin. On a routine mission to Koryama, Japan, a bomb erupted in his face on board a B-29 Superfortress that plane began to go into an immediate dive. My grandfather in that split second moment had a choice to make, save himself or try to save the lives of his crew. His answer to that call and the choice that he would make uh, would define his life and generations of lives and lead to the fastest presentation of the Congressional Medal of Honor that we know of in our nation's history.
0: Glad you're along today for a very special edition of A New Beginning. Greg Laurie is in the studio with his friend, movie director John Irwin. John and his brother Andy brought us great films like Woodlawn, I Can Only Imagine, and I Still Believe. He's a storyteller, and he tells the story he's heard since childhood, the story of his own grandfather,
2: and a remarkable moment from the Second World War. You know, I think we throw the word or the term hero around rather loosely, if a guy knows, you know, five chords in a guitar, he's a guitar hero. If he can drop a ball in a basket or catch a pass, he's a sports hero. But though those are impressive acts, they're not really heroism. A hero is someone that sacrifices, uh someone that puts the needs of others above himself. And your grandfather was a real hero. Tell us what he did, this act of heroism that caused him to be awarded this incredible medal of honor by the president of the United States.
1: Well, yeah, and the Medal of Honor is is uh, our nation's highest military honor, and uh, he was a radio operator on board a B twenty nine Superfortress. They called him Red Irwin. It's great, uh, red hair. Looked a lot like Matt Damon before he went off to war. He basically wanted to be a fighter pilot, couldn't get the, get the landing, and, and uh, he became a radio operator on a B-29 Superfortress. The B-29 was the, the most extraordinary aircraft of the day. It was aluminum. It was beautiful. had this mm-hmm. glass nose. Um, How many crew
2: members would be on one of those?
1: There'd be 11
2: crew members wow.
1: uh, on, on a B-29. And uh, one of his jobs as the radio operator was to drop a phosphorus flare when they approached the target and signal uh, all the other planes into formation. And uh, he had done this many times. Phosphorus is terrible, terrible stuff. It can burn up to 2,000 degrees. It burns through steel. Um, You can't put it out or burn underwater. Uh, It's just horrible stuff, but it burns white hot. And so the other planes could see it and come into formation. And on this particular raid, uh, April 12th, 1945, a raid on Koryab in Japan, he did what he always did, and and it was his job to drop that bomb. And they hit an air pocket and instead of the bomb deploying, it shot back up in, into the plane and exploded in his face oh, uh, and filled the plane with toxic smoke and wow. the plane went into an immediate dive and they were only at oh. 1,500 feet. And it was really just a question of whether they were going to crash into the ocean and die or whether it was going to erupt the six tons of bombs on the plane mm-hmm. and, and, you know, explode all the planes around them. And in some sort of a superhuman shouldn't have been able to do it act, he just felt it a peace and a presence with him felt God with him on the plane. And he went for the bomb instead of away from wow. it. And he found it, clutched it like a football and began about a 20 foot March to the front of the plane and just erupted like a human fireball mm. and uh, moved, had to move a navigator's table. It seared his handprint in the nav- navigator's table and got to the front of the plane. And there was a Colonel on board, Colonel Strauss uh, that was sitting in the copilot seat very calmly said, excuse me, sir. Uh, and over his shoulder, he got the bomb out of the plane through the window. Smoke cleared the plane, uh, and they pulled up at 300 feet, just seconds, uh, from disaster. My grandfather collapsed in flames. Uh, everyone thought he was going to die. And so they landed the plane on Iwo Jima, the airstrip at Iwo Jima had just opened. Um, and they had to cut a hole in the plane to get him out. And that night, uh, uh, the captain, uh, and Strauss wrote the citation for the congressional Medal of honor. Uh, sort of the word was we're going to give the Medal of Honor to this war hero posthumously because, again, everybody thought he was going to die. And he clung to life. He had already had several surgeries, got home. My grandmother had only really been informed that he had been injured. Um, Mm -hmm. She didn't know the extent of it. And she came in and he clutched the the bomb like a football. So the whole right side of his body, his arm was fused in place, the right side of his face. You think Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. He had a hard time eating, so he was down to 85 pounds. And She found the only unburned portion of his cheek on the other side and just immediately, without hesitation, kissed him, said, welcome home. I love you. I'm here. And that Mm -hmm. gave him the will to live. And uh, he endured, I think, 40 surgeries in all. And uh, they had five kids after the war, my dad Mm -hmm. being the second. And uh, he he, uh, worked for for the VA for over 30 years, helping other, other veterans get their benefits. And that's the story.
3: Given the facts you lay out, it's really a miracle he didn't die within minutes. The closer he came to death, the less likely it would be that you would ever be here. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, and it's obvious God had a plan for your life. I mean, look yeah. at all the lives that he's touched through your films. Mm-hmm. And his plan to get you here
1: involved a plan to get your grandfather the medical care he needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was um, a miracle that I'm here. On, on multiple levels and, and uh, yeah, I'll actually read an excerpt uh, from the book at nine thirty AM on April 12th, 1945 at a point, 225 miles South of Tokyo and 1500 feet over the Pacific ocean. Sergeant Henry red Irwin had held the lives of 12 Americans in his hands, including his own. He also held in his hands, the existence and potential of the hundreds of descendants. Those airmen were destined to have. If God were to bless them with children, Grandchildren and great grandchildren. The officers and crew were like brothers to him, and now their lives depended on what he did. In those few seconds, Red Irwin prayed to God for a miracle, and it happened. That night, as Red lay in a hospital bed with severe life threatening burn wounds, another series of miracles would be needed if he were to survive.
3: Yeah. And, and those miracles are, of course, outlined in the, in the brand new book, Beyond Valor. We're speaking with John Irwin, who is the, uh, author of the book. Normally we refer to him as the director of whatever film we're talking about. In fact, we talked about, uh, his film last month here on a new beginning. I still believe. And, uh, we're just so happy to be making his book available. This is your first book though, right, John? First book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I remember doing Steve McQueen, American Icon with Greg and he was writing the book with, with Marshall and, uh, and that sort of gave me the idea to sort of pair up with a historian and, uh, and get my granddad's story told uh, in book form and William Doyle is fantastic and uh, just amazing author and has been written many amazing books and uh, – and, but it's my first book. So uh, I've got a lot to learn, but I love telling stories. You
2: write a lot of screenplays, though. I've, I've read John's screenplays. And so he's a writer. He's a communicator. He's a storyteller. And he knows how to get to not just the facts of a story, but the heart of a story. And it takes you there, where you experience it with him. And so I think that's why him telling the story is more effective than someone who maybe never knew his grandfather personally or was as connected to the story as John is. Because <laughs> bottom line, if 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 Henry Irwin didn't do what he did, there wouldn't be a John and Andy Irwin. <laughs> yeah. But because of yeah. his act of heroism— uh so many lives have been impacted in the years that followed, but so it 's personal but in a good way, because he took the time to go the extra mile and then some, like his own grandfather did, and get capture the stories from the people that were there, from people that were eyewitnesses, and so you 're going to be riveted by this book. And, uh, and inspired by it. And I think in the times in which we're living, we all can use a little inspiration and see good that people can do because we see so many acts of selfishness. It's great to reflect on an amazing act of selflessness. You know, my experience in,
3: in reading the book was you, you, you get so wrapped up in the story and the details and the background. And, and, uh, I, I felt like I was, Red's right. family member myself. You know, I felt like I was, I was relating to him as I would a family member. Uh, in all the research you did, and in fact, I think you commented in the book that you've been working on this for something on the order of 15 years with all the research you've done. What surprised you the most in your investigation into your grandfather's experiences?
1: Well, first that makes me feel old now uh <laughs> it's uh it's uh yeah i'm going i'm 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 approaching 40 but i did start this very early in about 2005 uh sort of going around and inter- interviewing people as a very young filmmaker at the time and uh and just getting the the story documented and then over the years just pursued it i remember just before my grandfather died and before we had a he had had a stroke and so i would stay up late with him and that's when he began to quote scripture right mm. there at the end uh, mm. but i remember my grandmother coming in and they just caught each other's eye and here's a guy that is you know disfigured uh, like and he would always he was photographed with almost every president and a photo of him and jfk and he's always sort of favoring that side that wasn't as as burned mm. but his arm was fused in place he was horribly burned at the time he had trouble with mobility cuz of his stroke and um you know he he talked slow and yet they just caught each other's eye and I was blown away by how much these two people obviously loved each other. And for a moment it was sort of like they were teenagers Mm. again or, or, you know, and, and it was this beautiful thing. And my grandmother had this stack of love letters. She kept everything. In fact, I I remember going over to her house after she had moved out of her home that they lived in in Leeds, um, on the highway that, that bore his name and highway there in, in Birmingham. And, uh, I, I told the whole family, just can nobody, nobody touching me. <laughs> she had taken her clothes and I went over and just start and found boxes of stuff. And she was a real sort of pack rat. And so in her closet, uh, underneath like receipts for the 1960s were all these manila envelopes <laughs> and I opened them up and I was with my dad and I, I, I instantly was like, dad, is this what I think it is? And, um, it was the, my grandfather's original citation for the medal of honor signed by Harry Truman. It was his, his original crew photograph it was the original photograph of him receiving the Medal of Honor, wow. which was the cover of the Saturday New Post, and, and, uh, and it was all these original things. Uh, this, one of the excerpts she gave me um, from Lars Norsted, General, was um, the, the original was there, and uh, they were all framed, and it was unbelievable. But there was this thing that my, my grandmother kept that she wouldn't let us read until after she died, and it was the love letters that he wrote her. She had kept them all, many of which are in the book, and they're just beautiful, and uh, after she died, you know, she had given them to us to finally read. And, and it was just to see the way they loved each other and how much they loved each other. It was just beautiful. And many of them are in the book. And and it was this amazing thing. And just to see daily what he was going through and just how much he loved her and how much character he had. And, and uh, it was this beautiful thing. And so we we put a lot of them in the book. And uh, to hold those was truly extraordinary. And I think those are some of the, the surprising things wow. that, that uh found along the way.
3: You know, you mentioned uh, General Norstadt just a minute ago. You you quote uh, one of the accolades that General Norstadt extended uh, to your grandfather.
1: Yeah, he said on April April 26th, um, just after the event happened, he wrote to my grandmother. He said, outstanding amongst all of the heroic acts achieved by members of the 20th Air Force in over a year's operation uh, is the glorious self-sacrifice of your husband, uh, Staff Sergeant Henry E. Irwin. He continued and said, his transcendent heroism moves me as a professional soldier to pay him tribute. His deed lifts him to a place uh, with the bravest men in all history. Mm. And as we consider the courage he displayed, we gain a new and humbling appreciation of the valor inherent in mankind. Mm. And yet you would talk to him and he would say, I'm not the hero, you know, the guys that didn't come back. It's the men and women that didn't return. And, and uh, that's a very powerful statement. Yeah."
3: You know, there's there's a lot in the book about uh, heroism, and uh, certainly your grandfather was a, a hero by anyone's definition. I mean, a Congressional Medal of Honor winner. What John would be your definition of a hero?
1: Um. Well, I mean, we're so many. We have so many heroes amongst us. I mean, ultimately, I think heroes are those that that have the courage and the character to choose others above themselves mm-hmm. in, in moments of extreme pressure. It's a moment of self-sacrifice. It's a moment of, you know, as Jesus said, there is no greater love than the one that would lay his life down for his friends. And all of these acts, they're, they're driven by love. They are extreme acts of love is what I've found. Yeah. And so I think that there are extreme acts of love anywhere. I love the definition of, of the Medal of Honor in terms of, of, of heroism, because it applies to us all. It's And it's a biblical concept. It's to go above and beyond what is required of you. Go further. Do more. As Jesus said, if someone asks you to walk a mile, go two. Yeah. And uh, it's such a statement in the sort of self-serving narcissistic yeah. generation that I, that I grew up in, honestly, and that my children are growing up in, and... and to, to see that heroism is to, to to put things that are more important above yourself to serve a purpose and a cause greater than yourself, and to put the needs and lives of others ahead of yourself mm-hmm. and serve that that 's something that I think we all need to be uh, reminded of you know and uh, that 's one of the virtues that that make us american that 's right that we shouldn 't yeah. forget
2: you know I was thinking of how your grandfather was humble, and he didn't think of himself as a hero. And I thought of Micah 6, 8, where the Lord says, He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And, you know, what does God really want us to do? He He wants us to do justly, to do the right thing, to love mercy and walk in humility. And, you know, a true hero won't go around and tell everyone they're a hero. They'll just, do what they do and then they'll move on with their life and live their life and, and give credit to others. And, and I think that even that is another mark of true character and true heroism that you're not, you know, shouting it from the rooftops, but you're just a doer. It's shown by action, not just by words. Yeah. And so if you're moved by this story, and I'm sure you are of a John Irwin's grandfather, Henry Irwin, known as red because he had a thick mane of red hair. Uh, This man who threw himself on a – what would you call it? A phosphorus flare? Is that the – It's a phosphorus bomb. Yeah. It was a 20-pound
1: phosphorus bomb. And again, phosphorus is just – it's awful. Uh, Burns to everything. uh, It just – yeah. You can't put it out. And it spews almost a jelly. Um, It shouldn't have been possible for him. Mm. And yet – God gave him uh, the strength and the courage he needed to. Which is one of the interesting things about the story. He just said that he literally felt a presence on the plane, telling him to wow. go, and that yeah. and that he felt that that an angel or God was with yeah. him in that moment and gave him what he needed in that moment. And I think when God calls us to to things, He gives us what we need in the moment. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting uh, to, to that he was filled with with the ability to do something he should not have been able to do. Yeah. And that's one of the other things that I learned from the story. But but yeah, it's it's a uh, I just can't recommend enough my generation taking a look at the greatest generation because it'll change you, and I think you'll understand your legacy.
2: Yes, hmm. you know it's. I remember hearing Ravi Zechariah say once, "History is old news happening to new people," hmm. and and I think it's good to go back in the past and learn from it. And there's so many great lessons to learn, and uh, and I think uh, as we've talked about, as we've been working on this Jesus revolution. Uh, story, John, for a, a feature film, the fame of revival spreads the flame of revival. And I think when we hear a heroic story, it inspires us to heroic acts, maybe not on the scale of Henry Irwin, but there are many acts of heroism that we can all be engaged in each and every day, putting the needs of others above ourselves. And so if you want to be encouraged and motivated and inspired to live a heroic life, a godly life, then you want to get a copy of this brand-new book by my friend John Irwin called Beyond Valor. You know, John, I'm a
3: grandfather, and Pastor Greg is a grandfather. What do grandfathers need to know about sharing with their grandkids? You know, be it faith or uh, street
1: smarts or just who they are as people. What do we need to know? You know what's interesting about my grandfather is like when I was seven years old, uh, I was I was around that age, and I held the Medal of Honor. Hmm. Um and and he said over my shoulder, Freedom isn't free. Wow. I had no concept of what he meant. Yeah. So I think a lot of the times grandparents should know beyond just loving your grandkids. I my mom and dad, I love it. They they're the best grandparents and, and uh boy do they spoil my kids gladly.
2: That's but, our job, John. That's yeah, what of we're, we're called but, you to know, spoil them with sugar.
1: <laughs> yeah. <they> said, well, <laughs> uh, which gives us a date, which is great. It's a good That's trade. Right. Anyway, um, you know, I think uh, even though I was not yet in a place to really value and understand his story, those words were still there when I needed them. And I mm. think that that if you speak truth to your grandkids in, in bite-sized snippets, just yeah. trust that when the time is right, those seeds will will sprout. Mm. And that's what happened in my life. And, and, uh, you know, I think I finally, when I was ready to understand what he meant, those memories were there and they came flooding back. And so just trust that even if in the moment, you know, uh, they don't understand they will, they will later.
3: You know, Pastor Greg, that reminds me of the, the scripture. Train up a child on the way he should go, yep. and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yep. Maybe that's part of that equation, that uh, those things that we share with our grandkids early on, that sticks in their minds, and yeah. they marinate and germinate, and at just the right time, they'll sprout. They'll, they'll begin to grow roots, yeah. and that will begin to influence and affect their character. You I know, think that's so. something you know, I we think... can count on.
2: You know, I think sometimes a grandparent can be a different voice in the life of a grandchild, even than a parent. Our role is different. You know, we're not there to raise the child in particular, though in some cases, sometimes when parents abandon their responsibilities, grandparents step in and raise their grandchildren. But if that's not the case, you're there to reinforce, of course. But I think there are, are... You can have a special bond because, you know, when I have my grandkids with me, my job is not to discipline them per se. It is to love them, and it's to enjoy them, and it's to pass on things that I've learned, and sometimes— you know, like I have a granddaughter, Allie, and she's always wanting to know stories. Papa, she'll say, tell me one of your childhood stories. I think she's (laughs) going to become the family historian. I've told her every story. Then I'll start to tell her one. And she'll say, Papa, you told it wrong. Allie, (laughs) what do you mean I told her wrong? She goes, well, the first time you told it to me, you said this and that. And Doggone it. She's right. Uh But, you know, it is a wonderful thing to tell these stories and pass these things on. And even when it seems like they're not listening, they are because young John Irwin vividly remembers. Or he was I young do. then. He's still young now. He just doesn't know it. He's 40. He thinks he's old. He's still young. Uh, but anyway, John is a young man uh looking at his uh, grandfather's Medal of Honor. Was heard his grandfather say over his shoulder, freedom isn't free. That stuck with him. So grandparents, I encourage you to pass the truths you've learned, especially spiritual truths, onto your children and your grandchildren. And uh, this is the way it's done. The Christian life is like a relay race. We carry the baton for a time in our generation, then we pass it on to another, and we leave a legacy. And certainly, Red Irwin, as he was known, Uh, Henry Irwin, did that with his family, and you need to do that with yours, and we have an inspiring story to tell you to help you to do that as you learn what one man did in this tremendous act of sacrifice and heroism for others, and the book is called Beyond Valor, and I think it's going to be a real page-turner. It's going to not only—I think there's entertaining elements to it, but it'll move you deeply, and like John— My favorite kind of book to read is a biography. I love to read true stories above all stories because these are people just like us that did amazing things, and God can use those stories to inspire us.
0: What an inspiring story. Pastor Greg Laurie talking with author John Irwin about the heroism display by his Medal of Honor winning grandfather. The message was called Beyond Valor, The Red Irwin Story. And next time we return to Pastor Greg's practical discussion about the Ten Commandments as we study the life of Moses in the book of Exodus. But before we go, a final comment from special guest John Irwin.
1: I would just like to say to to all those listening, it's our privilege to to be storytellers. It's a privilege to tell stories. And uh, Jesus told stories. And Andy and I are are called to be storytellers uh, and to spread the gospel through stories and whether it's i can only imagine or i still believe or this book beyond valor or the movie that we're going to make as soon as the world allows us to make movies jesus revolution it's a privilege and an honor to tell stories that uh draw people to christ worldwide and uh to everyone that supports them thank you and you're a part of sending the gospel around the world through the entertainment industry, you know the gospel never changes, but the way we get it to people does. And God's doing a great work in Hollywood, and you're a part of it when you buy the films and when you when you watch them, and and, uh, and when, in this case, you read them. and It's our privilege to tell stories that matter. And thanks for being a part of what we do. This is the day,
0: the day when life begins. Now, for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Beyond Valor. The Red Irwin Story. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.